fact, I said it before and I'll say it again. That scene, that last scene. What does it mean? I'm the dude, you know? Get the fuck out of here. No, I cannot. That final scene starts now. Hi everyone, my name is Sophie and you're listening to That Final Scene, the podcast where we break down some of the most iconic final scenes in movie history. Today, Ben is in the home studio. Hi, Ben. Hello, hello. <laughs> Simon is MIA. I'm not sure yes. where he is. <laughs> he's, in, he's in Greece. Oh, he's in, in Greece. Oh, yeah. yeah. Corfu, I think? Or something like that, yeah. yeah. He's, he's currently sitting himself, sunning on a beach. While we're, in fairness, sitting in sunny London, which is nice. I Sun, mean, summer has finally arrived. Simon finally. leaves. And Happy summer, summer gets here. <laughs> I am so ready for summer. I know. I, Stop. Uh, <laughs> Honestly. It's been too cold. It's been too rainy. I'm sick of it at this age. And this is coming from like a pasty white Irish guy who burns all the time. Yeah. SPF 70s. In yes. Form- <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I was out in the sun. I'd say it felt like only for about 20 minutes yesterday. And I woke up this morning being like, why is my face so hot? And I was like, okay, because you're burnt already. It's a good problem to have yeah. at this point. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's nice that it's like, what well, we're. Just, I almost said early May, but it's late May at this stage. Yeah. But yeah, finally here. Good. As long as it doesn't get up to the 40 degrees we had last summer, that's just what I'm hoping for. I don't. I really don't want to have to buy some kind of air conditioning unit. Oh, uh, that's when you have to, yeah, like maybe plan some sort of like trip yeah. to anywhere in Europe. Anywhere but, else. Yeah. <laughs> because to anybody who doesn't live in the UK who listens to this podcast... It is this country is not built for heat. Mm-mm. It's not like in America or in Europe where like a lot of apartments and buildings have air conditioning systems built into them. It's been so cold here for so long that no one knows how to deal with global warming. And now it's too hot. Like last summer, I think in our it was like thirty eight degrees one of the days. Which feels ridiculous. like sixty five. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, for some reason. It's like you're being baked in an oven. It's ridiculous. Oh, so insane. yes. Pray for us, please. Yeah. <laughs> We don't know how this translates to Fahrenheit, but I'm sure you can figure oh, it God out. Oh, God, no. Yeah. I'm okay. not translating to Fahrenheit. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. Come on now. <laughs> right. So let's talk about today. This is one of our most anticipated episodes because been, we're finally going to talk about the prestige. Since episode one, I think I feel like I've wanted... This is like when we started doing this podcast, this was one of those ones on the list that I was like, I can't wait. Because it, it is in like my desert island discs of films. It is like top 10, maybe top five favorite movies of all time. Wow. I would it's really? like yeah like I love okay. Nolan it's my favorite Nolan film nice. easily and yeah I just I fucking love it I think it's a, I think it's brilliant that's amazing well we this is our second Nolan episode as well so we have talked a bit about him with the Dark Knight Rises episode yeah. but this one it's gonna get us to a whole different like Nolan yeah. <laughs> rabbit hole <laughs> we, we're going yeah from his superhero movies which aren't really that complex to actually do you know what funny enough having watch, watching it now and, and, and seeing his other back catalogue I kind of feel I, I, you see it almost seems like this movie foreshadows some of the kind of crazy idea that, mm-hmm. ideas that he tries to do in future and I mean who knows with Oppenheimer coming out what mad shit that movie's gonna do I think it's going to be his best film. That's my prediction. I, do you know what? I, so I obviously they've released that new trailer and I went to the cinema the other day and I saw the trailer on the big screen and I just sat there and I was like chills. I was like, fuck, this movie's going to be so good. I just can't wait. Sorry, Barbie, but I'm going to be seeing that. If, if it's a double bill, I'm probably seeing Oppenheimer twice, even though, and I have to say this, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know how I'd feel about Barbie. The latest trailer, I actually think, looks really good. It's hilarious. I'm really interested to see it now. I actually think it could be really good because um, I didn't know what direction they were going with it. Um, and so, yeah, the idea that Barbie goes to the real world, I think, could be quite funny. It's um, so fun. I mean, 
I trust Greta. That's the thing. Exactly. Like, I trust her yeah. that she wouldn't do something like super stereotypical or, you know, yeah. like an anti-feminist, you know, take on Barbie. Mm-hmm. And the cast is incredible as yeah. well. I mean, it's, yeah. it just looks, yeah. I think it's good. I actually think it could be fantastic, but I don't think it will be better than Oppenheimer. No. However, my other prediction is that Ryan Gosling is going to get an Oscar nomination for Barbie. Really? Oh, <laughs> she okay. looks so good. What for? Like, like best supporting actor or best actor? Um, be- Colleen, have you like have you get yeah, yeah Oscar best, best original yeah, screenplay, yeah, best everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll just get a really random best nomination. Pre- yeah, best like cinema presence ever. I, yeah. I don't know. I just he looks so good, and I've, I think yeah. I said this before. I feel like goes like, like at least in my opinion he's best when he's doing comedy roles he, he's really mm. great overall but when he's doing comedy he's just incredible yeah he's got a very he's and i think it helps that like someone like gosling because he's done so many serious films it's it's funnier when you see him doing something that isn't that serious like if you got if like if you watch blade runner and then you watch barbie you know it's com- he's complete and he's done so much of that that actually when he goes lighthearted, it's really interesting. Yeah, and that shows range. Like yeah. crazy, stupid love, incredible, and the nice boys. Like really, really funny. Like anything he's done. Yeah, he's just he's really fantastic. He no, he is brilliant, and uh-huh. he's so dreamy. Oh, always. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What? Have, what have you been watching since we uh, recorded our last ep? Okay, I have to say I have been continuing with my one movie a day challenge. Nice, but the one thing that I found exhausting is writing movie reviews right okay. every single day so i have been logging my films on letterbox but mm-hmm. i haven't been writing reviews i would say that's the one thing that i'm lacking behind on of since we recorded last what's the highlight and the low light what's the best and the worst okay best one has been the man on the moon i hadn't seen the jim carrey oh, the Jim. Yeah. yeah it's the andy kaufman biopic yeah which it didn't feel like a biopic to me because I'm not very familiar with Kaufman and his work as a comedian. Yeah. So I was like... This... Have you watched the, the Netflix documentary about that film? No, okay. Jim and Andy. That's, yeah. yeah, I've heard it's brilliant. Yeah, it's in, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting having seen, having seen Man on the Moon and then that. You you see a different, like quite an intense side to Carey. Really? That film. Yeah, like how he... Like he very much, I think he says in the documentary, he's like, I you know, like inhabited Andy and like a part of, you know, kind of. Is that what the doc is method. about? Like him reflecting yeah. back on. It's about the whole process of making the film as well. And I think like how in becoming Andy Kaufman and stuff like that, he became quite a difficult person as well, like during the filming of it. Um, and it, yeah, it is, it is interesting. I would, I would recommend that for your, for your next set. I definitely want to. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's in my watch list. Man on the Moon was. <sighs> I loved it. Yeah. It was very nihilistic and I struggled with that, but I think it was good that it pushed me to go there because like the idea of everything is, everything is a comedy, nothing matters. And that means you can be an asshole to everyone because well, whatever. That was, that was Andy Kaufman's thing, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. That, I, I really don't subscribe to that idea, no. but like him, Carrie just... The, like, the, the, yeah. Ro- the Roman Roy yeah. <laughs> yeah. type of lifestyle. Exactly. That's such a good, yeah, that, yeah. He's yeah. Everything is a joke, so fuck off. It's either funny or it's not. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. yeah so I'm going to support mm. you know right wing like extreme right wing ideology because whatever. And I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna side with the Nazis because why not? Like everything is a yeah. joke. That's very Roman. You're right. Mm-hmm. So that was the high. The <laughs> the low of the low was uh, I don't know if you've seen it on Disney Plus. It just came out. Uh, called uh, it's a movie called Clock. No, not even heard of it. Diana. The the actress from Glee, Diana uh, Ab, 
No, I you're assuming say, you're assuming I've watched Glee. You know her face, like okay. yes, yeah, she's very much out there. She's out, she was actually very good in that film, which was the only thing that worked. Okay, it's about a woman who enrolls in a clinical trial because her friends and the entire society convinces her that her biological clock is broken. Right. So she goes on a trial, try to fix it. Yeah, you're really not selling this to me. You no, know, I mean I can't like I can't sell it to you because that's what <laughs> it the movie sounds like. What what was that um, Justin Timberlake movie from a few years ago with Amanda Seyfried? It was a cold, was a cold time where basically mm-hmm. like every, like you can you can you have basically like if something weird you have like a clock on your arm that counts down to your death and you can buy and lose more time. Right. Sounds like that sounds sounds similar. Yeah, yeah, similarly shite. Yeah, it's it's a film that I could see premiering in can for some reason okay. and just having oh, we'll, like we'll talk about can don't worry oh yeah as having like <laughs> this ridiculous yeah feminine i guess like pseudo feminist you know yeah. point of view but i'm sorry i'm gonna spoil it for everyone because this is a film that you shouldn't watch fantastic ultimately the movie makes an argument that we are depressed and we don't want to have children because of the holocaust like i <laughs> I'm not joking. That's <laughs> like, the end of the film. That's the end of the film. Like, I don't want to say no more because there's no point to give you the That feels give like, what's that, um, what's that Robert Pattinson movie that, like, is this rom-com that then ends up with he's in the World Trade Center on the day of 9-11? It kind of feels oh, like you, you yeah. have this whole movie that builds up to this really kind of offensive climax yes. to a lot of people. It's very offensive. Yeah. Like, you use Holocaust as a... Like, you show horror in the Holocaust as a way to make a point about, like trauma porn and Jesus. it's very horary and gory as well it's every everything that's right. wrong with this film is out there in the open so it's on disney plus i don't know how disney plus like promoted this film like in the- i mean i haven't seen i was on disney plus the other day and i haven't seen any promotion for it yeah oh okay that was a week ago that i saw okay. it i think a week and a half yeah so that's a hard no hard that's pass yeah yeah I'm good not to watch that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, of course, I know we're going to have a whole episode on Succession. Yes. But, oh, my God. Like, I know. Oh, by the way, we are recording on the Sunday. Yes. So, by the time the episode comes out, whatever we say right yeah. now, it's going to be you <laughs> outdated. Will ha- yeah. So you, uh, But also, you will have had two weeks to watch the final, the finale. So, That's when the next episode true. comes around, when we're discussing it, make sure you've watched it. That's true. Yeah. I know a lot I know some people who are currently binging it right now. They're on like season 2 and they're just getting through it so oh. they can they can get to watch the final episode this week. That's okay. Um yeah. I I just don't honestly I don't know where it's going to go. I have no idea. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think there's there's a lot there's a lot what feels like ends to tie up. But yeah, I just don't know. And I feel like they I every week I watch the like the minute long teasers they put out for the next episode and the latest one I feel like just gave me nothing I was mm-hmm. like there's lots of people shouting and screaming and all that kind of stuff but I'm like this could mean anything this could mean absolutely anything because yeah. they, they throw you off the scent so well um, but that last episode was amazing like incredible so good the fact that you can kind of keep everybody hooked even though you've the majority of the episode is centered around a funeral was just yeah brilliant yeah, every episode since Logan's death has been like the election episode was just mortifying and yeah. amazing as well. I yeah, I, similar to you, I don't really have any theories anymore. Even though I'm gonna say two things, what gives me hope about the finale is that Jesse Armstrong has, ba- like, he, I mean, he he said that he's known the finale since day one. 
That's good. So that shows that he yeah. had a vision all along. So <coughs> that's promising. Yeah. And probably hasn't been influenced by any HBO executives or anything like that. I would hope so, yeah. Secondly, like I have like two theories that are way out there. In my opinion, it's either going to be none of the kids, right? Yeah. Because they don't deserve it and they're all like losers for different reasons. So it's going to be someone like, I don't know, I want to say Tom or like even Jerry, Frank. whatever. Frank, yeah. The second theory, which is much more out there, is actually Kendall. Because Logan has always said that he's yeah. been the one. And two, and I'm, I don't think I'm giving out any spoilers because this is just me making an assumption. There is a, a podcast for the show. Yes. Uh, the Like the Succession podcast. Yeah. And uh, Jeremy Strong. Strong? That's yeah, his name. Jeremy Strong. He's actually yeah. going to be the guest for the for final, final. Uh, episode. Okay. So that I was like, oh, why? Which, it couldn't mean it couldn't mean anything. I mean, he, I'm sure yeah. he's going to have a critical role to the finale. But it was interesting that they picked him. I think I, th- I think of all the kids, I think if any of the kids are to succeed, I think Kendall is the most likely, as you say. Like it's this kind of foreshadowing from the first from the first season that it kind of it all feels like we're we're, we're we'll end up back at square one. I think it could everything could crash and burn. Mm-hmm. I think it could. I think it could, like, uh, I think the election thing, the presidential thing and the controversy over Mencken winning has a bigger role to play. I think it could turn out that, you know, they'll find out, someone will find out that he was his, he organized the bombing of the, or the the petrol bombing of that voting site and blah, blah, oh, blah, yeah. blah. I think, I think that has a bigger part to play in it. Um, or at least I hope it does, because I really don't want to see an ending where fascism basically wins and that guy is president of america but we saw that in america anyway so who knows but yeah i really i as long as greg doesn't win and i and i know people love greg and listen i'm not i'm not i'm not coming for if you like greg i i i don't i don't mind but as long as greg doesn't win he is he is such a slimy creep who just who who tries to blackmail his way he like fumbles his way through everything and like always is going like, oh, well, uh, I could do that. But like, what's in it for Greg? And he ju- he's just he's trying to mimic like all the people around him. And he just is such a kind of a bumbling idiot that uh, obviously that's lovable. But he screws over everybody like he just he moves from side to side. And I just really I really hope Greg doesn't win. Yeah, there is like really. Uh, yeah, there is um, out there again theory, or, or it's, it's more like a dream, but like a very per- perverted one that I've seen on film, TV, Twitter going around that the final scene of Succession is Greg being the CEO of Waystar, you know, it could and he's snorting coke out of like <laughs> prostitutes. <laughs> you know, yeah, like gone fully like uh, Wolf of Wall Street style, and he's. Do you know mad. what? It could. That's that's yeah. the, that's the thing about the show is that it could, and I and I'd still probably end up being satisfied by the ending because Jesse Armstrong just is a, a f- sort of phenomenal writer that it would still end up being amazing anyway. But yeah, I just don't know. So yeah, yeah next episode you'll Can't you'll wait. get our reactions to it. Can't wait, Ben. What have you been watching? So yeah, watching Succession. Um, obviously, the other the, the the two things that I think are most important to bring up that I watched. First of all, I watched Ant Man because it's now on Disney Plus. Ooh, the latest one. Yeah, yeah, and it was a total waste of time. <laughs> it's like two and a half hours long. It was completely devoid of any emotion or imagination. It was dreadful performances all round. Uh, it was dull. <laughs> it was boring, and it just looked it looked bad. It looked Jonathan so Majors bad. is good in it, but obviously. 
it's a bit of a weird one at the MCU now because there's been these kind of allegations made and these charges brought against him. So that so it seems a bit up in the air about what the future holds. Even though one of the next Avengers movies is called the Kang Dynasty, so yeah, who well, knows what's going to happen? Well, Mar- I mean, DC have pushed the head. I was going to say so Marvel could yeah put that will they yeah, yeah who knows? Uh, but the thing that gave me faith in superheroes again was that I saw Guardians three and. I thought it was amazing. Oh, I thought it was that's incredible. So nice. It's like it's probably my favorite Guardians film. <gasps> I think really? the I think I think the action set pieces and stuff in the first one are probably better. Maybe the second one as well, but the third one as like an overall film with like heart and soul and just everything that James Gunn is really good at. It's incredible. Like. It's it's gorier than I thought it was going to be. There's some mm. kind of like body horror bits in it that kind of surprised me. In the same way, I think when I saw Doctor Strange, the second one, and I thought, oh, wow, they've let Sam Raimi kind of be Sam Raimi. They let James Gunn do a little bit more of what he does. So there's a bit more kind of horror elements to it, which is quite, which was stri- like a little bit shocking, I actually thought. And um, especially the stuff, like a lot of the whole story pretty much kind of focuses around Rocket and his origins. And, and Peter have come out, I know, and, and talked about how it's a, the film is a really good advocate for like non-animal testing and stuff like that. But it's, you. there are so many moments in that film that you want to cry. Like it is, whether it be sad or it be happy or like, it's just, it tugs on every heartstring and it's like, it's a perfect, obviously a lot of those characters are now going to, are going to leave. Like I know Dave Batiste has talked about, he's not going to play Drax anymore and pe- other people are kind of leaving those characters behind and aren't signing contract. It's the perfect ending for that. It's, amazing and off the off the back of last week talking about like in Shawshank Redemption talking about scores I'm going to talk about music and movies again mm-hmm. because obviously like everybody goes on about this the soundtracks for Guardians and the soundtrack for this not just not just that they're amazing so obviously like the first one everybody loved the music because it was like bringing back these track all these tracks that nobody knew this one every, every piece of music like emotionally hits the mark for the scene like the bit at the, at the the film at the last song at the end of the film is Dog Days Are Over by Florence and the Machine or at least for the kind of the, the ending the big ending I've heard about it and yeah. it like made me want to cry just watching it and I listened to that song it just came on on a playlist on the tube here and I got emotional listening to it again because I thought about mm-hmm. that scene in the film it's so good It like it gave me faith and then also made gave me less faith in Marvel because James Gunn is gone now. Yeah, maybe he gave you faith for DC. Yeah, <laughs> may, well, maybe. That's the thing. Maybe I'm like, oh my God, am I going to want to see that weird Beetle, Blue Beetle film now? I don't know. But it, considering as someone who loved, like, up until Avengers Endgame, I thought Marvel had hit the mark on everything. And since then have had a couple of, like, misses. I love Shang-Chi. I thought it was fantastic. But Black Panther 2, I didn't really like. Love and Thunder wasn't great. Uh, Quantumania was crap. Um, you know, th- there's been a uh, fallen quite flat. This gave me faith again that they let him make a movie that, rather than it just being about superheroes and quippy Marvel one-liners, was about the characters and it was about the emotions and it was trying to tell a bit more than just a story about a bunch of aliens who go fighting in space. And that's what Gun's been. Gun's done a really good job of that with every Guardians film. And I think he peaks with this one. I think it's I think it's brilliant. Like I would really recommend seeing it. If especially if and if you think oh I've got Marvel, I've got superhero fatigue, 
go into this just as I'm just seeing it as a Guardians movie. I'm not seeing this as part of the wider Marvel universe. I'm seeing this as Guardians 1, 2, and 3. That was going to be know. my question. How, like, where does the story pick up from? How does it fit into the wider universe? So it's after or Endgame. Oh, it's after Endgame. Yeah. So, oh, wow. So, so, it's, so there's no, like, mention of, like, Doctor Strange, like, everything that's ha- that has happened in between. Yeah, so, so yeah, so we can't, where do, I'm trying to think where exactly we do pick it. We pick it up, they're all living on nowhere. They live on that, that giant skull in the middle of, in the middle of the, um, and it picks up basically after the second one where, you know, those gold, golden mm-hmm. people from the second one are uh, coming after them, it seems. And, um, yeah, Gamora doesn't know who Quill is and there's a whole thing about, like, him being broken up and emotional and kind of that kind of thing. So it kind of it picks up there. Right, okay. um, and, yeah, it just ties off everybody's stories so nicely. Like, it, do, it does such a, it's like, it is a, it's a happy ending as well. Like you, it got to a point in the movie where I thought, "Oh, is this is this person gonna like? Is this person gonna save the day?" But then end up dying, and I was a bit like, "Oh, if that does happen, it, you know, it'll be a worthy ending." But I won't be necessarily satisfied by it. But thankfully, that didn't happen, and everybody just kind of everybody kind of gets a happy mm. ending, which was really kind of nice. Oh, can't or at least everybody it. gets an ending that they deserve. Everybody gets an ending they deserve. Put it that way. And yeah, so I would. Highly, rec- highly, highly recommend going see it, to see it. I'm definitely gonna watch it next weekend. Yeah, yeah, do and see it. Try and see it in the cinema. You know, yeah. try yeah, try and see yeah. it on the big screen because it does it does look good as well. There are some bits that look a bit weird <laughs> where they go to this planet or this space station that's basically made out of organic matter, and it's very like yeah, again like body horror kind of like blood and guts type stuff. It's not blood and guts, but like it just looks a bit weird. Mm. And then there is a bit at the there is a bit towards the end where I was like, holy shit, how did they get a PG thirteen rating? on this um but yeah would would recommend it just if you have small kids maybe don't bring them to it because even mm. though it's a it's a marvel movie there are some bits in it that i was a bit like oh okay that's a good plan. I, like i wouldn't bring my like i wouldn't bring my young cousin to see it you know right. type thing okay um, that's yeah. interesting yeah i can't wait to watch it yeah uh and you briefly mentioned can yeah, yeah, so yeah, I've been keeping an eye on everything that's been happening at Cannes, uh, or at least some of the releases that I, that have come out. You know, I'm not going to go into like the controversy around the Johnny Depp stuff like that, but the one that I wanted to talk about is the thing that I sent you the review of the other day, which is The Idol has <laughs> premiered its first two episodes at Cannes, which I I What's I the latest need score? Twenty one percent. It was like seven seventeen the last time I saw it, and I and 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 for everyone out there. So obviously we talked about the idol a little while ago and all the controversy around it, and then that clip. I I think we played it in the episode where he's talking about Rolling Stone magazine, and it just seems dreadful. Well, Rolling Stone reviewed it, and obviously they are going to be a little bit biased. But the first line of their uh, review reads: "Memo to showrunners: When in doubt about your lead character, just cut to her masturbating while she chokes herself." <laughs> So basically it's getting panned by everyone, absolutely panned by everybody. And I think everyone saw this coming. And the other one is Indiana Jones is, seems to have fallen quite flat. Mm-hmm. There was a, a lot was made of Harrison Ford getting that big standing ovation and a lot seems to be made of Cannes standing ovations. And it, it, I don't think they necessarily mean a film. It seems to like, like that one is, that standing ovation is recognition for Harrison Ford and the incredible career that he's had. But apparently the, film just falls a little bit flat i'm actually i'm having read the reviews i'm now not as excited to see it as i was yeah me neither i heard this getting the marvel treatment a little bit like too many jokes that are just like there but don't really start the story and i don't know if they made the best use of phoebe either no doesn't no it doesn't even seem like that from the trailers but we'll see we'll see but yeah another can has come and gone wow maybe we'll be at the next one who knows 
hopefully Hollywood le- or HBO in particular learned from hiring Sam Levinson again because we'll going see. from Succession to The Idol is yeah. <laughs> a departure. What's this? It's a movie. No. Oh, I liked it. No. Can I say something? No. I don't get it. What don't you get about it? Okay, so let's move on to our community segment. So in this episode, I know we're going to talk about The Prestige, which has one of the most underrated yet brilliant plot twists in recent cinema history. So we wanted to get your take on your favorite twist of all time. However, there is a twist, one that Ben doesn't know about. Instead of just going through your answers, I'm going to give Ben clues about the movies or scenes you guys brought up. I knew I should have looked at the Instagram post. (laughs) It's a plot twist episode. Naturally, there's going to be a plot twist. Uh, Ben, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, let's do this. Hit me. I I like to think that these are fairly easy, but let's see how, uh, how you get on. Okay, so this film features a murder investigation. Okay. One of the murders involves a man forced to consume an excessive amount of a particular food item. Okay. Uh, the film's ending includes an unforgettable act of sacrifice. Uh, uh, seven? Yes, okay. correct. Oh, what's in the box? Uh, okay, this one is a bit difficult. I'll just put it out there. I haven't watched it personally. You may have. Okay. The this film, from what I know, has a very similar similar plot to Memento, but it's not Memento. Okay. It explores the concept of time and memory as the protagonist dives deep into his past to uncover the truth. Okay. A mysterious character named Cindy, portrayed by Maya Monroe, becomes a key figure in the protagonist's quest for answers. It is flashbacks that lead us back to the plot twist. And final clue, Dylan O'Brien is in it. So if you haven't uh, seen the film... Dylan O'Brien is yeah. the guy from like Love and Robots. Is that that Netflix show? Oh, or like the Maze Runner or something? Is that him? I think Maze, I think Maze Runner. Oh, God. If you haven't seen... like No, I haven't. I have, I've seen very little with him in it. I, I'm trying... I feel like that's such a... Yeah, go on. What is it? Flashback. Oh, it's called Flashback. Okay. <laughs> Right. Like, that should have been the clue then when uh, you should have you should have like nodded at me but like yeah, yeah, there's flashbacks like, like yeah. wink, winked, winked at you uh, which it's funny because the yeah the plot sounds great but then I looked up the actual film on IMDb and it has a 5.3 rating so okay interesting I don't know I, I still want to watch it because yeah. I do like the sort of plot twist uh, okay. okay the most surprising cameo in a Marvel film the most surprising cameo, cameo in a Marvel, in a Marvel film. film cameo Cameo. And this is like a this is like a twist. A recent, thing. He, like, he, no, no, this is more. Yeah, it's a twist by itself, as in you wouldn't expect that cameo. Oh, the guy. Well, it's not like the guy from uh, Evil Dead, is it? No, 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 think like think like very popular like actor, fairly recent film, like in the past. Oh, it's, it's not it's not Russell Crowe in Love and Thunder, is it? No, it's these just, are all it's, weird cameos. No, <laughs> it's an even smaller. It's literally like a two minute cameo. Uh, it's a sequel like it's a number two as in like Guardians of the Galaxy 2 okay it's a funny one it's a funny one yeah think of a funny like Marvel character funny Marvel character as in the movie is a funny Marvel character and the character is a very funny and ridiculous and sarcastic and oh uh, Deadpool yes the cameo, Deadpool two? cameo, cameo, and Deadpool too. Oh, the Brad Pitt cameo, yeah. and Deadpool too. Oh, okay, <laughs> that was Where a he's very the, surpri- He's the Invisible Man. <laughs> yeah. That was so yeah. funny. Okay, next one. The main character is a security guard. Okay. 
the tension starts when a train crash takes place. Source code? No. Ugh. There is at least one person in this film who believes in superheroes. Oh. Uh, it's part of a trilogy. Uh, yeah, yeah. it's the M. Night Shyamalan film, yeah. Unbreakable. Yes, yeah. correct. Dun, 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 dun. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> okay. This is an old film. Iconic director. There is a famous scene of a spiraling uh, staircase that plays a significant role in the film. Oh, uh, it's Hitchcock. Yes. Yeah. The protagonist's fear of heights. Vertigo. Yes, correct. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Next one. The film revolves around a complex heist and its aftermath. The main character, no, actually, actor who plays the character is now cancelled. Oh, oh, okay. I, Our narrator yeah. is unreliable. Yeah, uh, Kaiser Sose. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the usual suspects. Yep. Okay. It's Kaiser Sose. Yeah. Okay, this film has my favorite plot twist from, oh, the, okay. from, from the ones that we've mentioned so far. So this film features a performance debut by now one of the biggest actors in Hollywood. We recently saw him in a Netflix movie that you hated. Okay. And we did at the podcast as well. He, he he disappeared for a while, and now he's back with that film that we did recently on our podcast. It's a Netflix movie. Oh, uh, uh, it, Glass uh, Onion. Yes, correct. Let, uh, I can give you more clues. Yeah. It is based on a novel of the same name, and the film shows... <laughs> wrote this down that the only thing scarier than facing a murder charge is Richard Gere's hairline in the 90s so think of like okay think of uh, of the actor uh, who's in the leading Edward Norton role. yes correct that's his debut and it was an incredible performance oh, it has an iconic yeah. oh plot twist oh my god I was only reading about this the other day yes oh crap Richard Gere defends him yeah, I know, yeah. against the murder charge primal fear primal fear yeah, yeah. And I have a last one. I don't know if you've seen that film. It's uh, it's about a man who is uh, mysteriously held captive for 15 years without even knowing why. Oh, no. The film is quite known for its brutal fight scenes. Oh, the, uh, oh old boy. Yes, correct. Yes. Yeah. I think uh, based yeah, on the... the hallway scene, my God. Based on the comments that we got from people, that was universally the most talked about and popular mm. plot twist of all time. Like, it just, wow, okay. yeah, it just yeah, funny enough, okay. it was on I, I, in preparation for seeing Guardians. James Gunn did a did a did a YouTube. I think it was like a Variety or a Vanity Fair YouTube video of his top ten favorite comic book movie adaptations, and Old Boy is one of them. So there you go. Wait, based on, like a, graphic, the first based on one, a graphic novel. The yeah. first one, because apparently there is like an American version. which Yeah, there's a Josh Brolin version, which is supposedly <laughs> shite. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen it, yeah. Okay. But I know, yeah, it's based on a graphic novel. Mm. The old boy is. It's uh, like the Josh Brolin one is just a shot for shot remake. You did so well. You did so well. I did, Congratulations. I did pretty well, yeah. Oh, I'm wow. surprised at that one, yeah. yeah, yeah nice. I'm annoyed about Flashback. I should have gotten that from the... I mean, you hadn't watched it, so fair yeah. game, yeah. I should have just taken a guess. Yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Do you have a favourite plot twist? Do I have a favourite plot twist? I mean, the Gone Girl plot twist, as someone who had never read the book, was uh, 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 me and a friend of mine, Dara, actually, who listens to this podcast. Me and Dara went to see it. And uh, I don't think he had read the book either, and the two of us just going like, what the... Th-? When you see her driving in the car, and you're like holy shit uh was was pretty amazing and obviously i mean the biggest the biggest and best plot twist of all time is i am your father and empire strikes back i mean we got that a few times yeah the best plot twist of all time in in possibly the best film of all time Uh, (laughs) 
I mean, well, best <laughs> yeah, science fiction yeah, film yeah, of all time, Empire yeah, Strikes Back, yeah. easily. Come at me. I don't care. <laughs> People will come at you. I yeah, know. You I can't care. wait. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling... Christopher Nolan actually doesn't share the whole script with actors. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I don't think I he think shares he only... the whole, doesn't share the whole script with himself if you watch Tenet. Yep. <laughs> it's such a half-baked idea. My God. Oh, God. Okay, we'll be... We'll take a short break and we'll be back with more Nolan in a few seconds. Oh, look, a message from our sponsor. G.I. Jane 2. Can't wait to see it. Nah, yo, hold my food. Hey, yo, what's up? Y'all got a problem? Y'all want some of this? Without much further ado, here we go again. In today's episode, we are unraveling the twists and turns of Christopher Nolan's The Prestige. And oh man, what a final scene. Yeah. And what a final monologue, actually, from Michael Caine, which is oh, yeah. incredible. And actually, what I what I realized yeah. re-watching the film again is that mm-hmm. one of the clips from our intro is Michael Caine saying, what does it mean? That's that's his line. That's that's piece from him from the film what i hadn't yeah. realized yeah when 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 they get the keyword of tesla on the note he's he says what does it mean and that's in our that's, that's in our little interest that, yeah that's that cheeky simon. simon he says he's never seen the film but he's sneaking it in somewhere somehow he did <laughs> okay ben i mean this is your time to shine you first brought up the film about a year ago mm-hmm. and now we're doing it yeah and you claim that this is nolan's best yeah, so it's why my, is it's, that? it's my favorite. I think it's I think it's 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 early enough that it's not too. He's not kind of going too mad and kind of crazy and convoluted on everything. It's a brilliant cast. I mean, obviously every Nolan film is a fantastic cast, but it's one of the first few times he, he knows worked how to with, cast. He knows yeah, how to cast. and it's one of the first yeah. few times he's worked with Christian Bale in it as. Um, Oh my god, I'm losing. I'm I'm losing the characters' names. Perfect. I mean, whatever. Alfred. Fred. <laughs> yeah, Alfred. Yeah, Alfred Borden. Yeah, or or. Or his uh, or Fallon as the other one. Yeah. Uh, Michael Caine's great in it. David Bowie, I think, is really good, mm-hmm. even though he's a quick cameo in it. Andy Serkis, like a like a really stellar cast, and it's just a really enjoyable. Like there's there's br- and it's a shame that we haven't seen it in a Nolan film since. But there's brilliant chemistry between Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman. Mm. Like Hugh Jackman, like as as these two kind of. All, two sides of the same coin the performer and the magician you know that's the whole thing throughout the film is that Hugh Jackman's character is the performer he knows how to put on a show whereas actually the real magician and the one with the real talent for it the, the natural skill is Christian Bale's character and their their back and forth throughout is amazing and just set against this like really nice backdrop of like 18th century England as they kind of go back and forth and all the different twists and turns and I think it it overlaps itself quite nicely you know, uh, I think we saw with Tenet, there's a tendency when it comes to Nolan and time in films jumping around and being in different timelines and stuff, it, it can be quite difficult to follow. The Prestige does it in quite a nice, almost linear way in that you do jump from the past to the present to, you know, the jail cell to the future, but back kind of back and forth. It, it, it It's layered really nicely rather than being a little bit of a mess, uh, mm-hmm. which which can happen with, with some of Nolan's films. And yeah, so obviously it centers around two magicians who start their start their days off as working as assistants for another magician with working with the engineer or something I think is the word mm-hmm. they use, which is Michael Caine's character who, you know, builds and designs tricks and machines for magicians. And early in the film, we find out that Hugh Jackman has been married and that his wife is his wife is killed. She's 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 one of the magician's assistants and she's killed in a trick uh, because uh, Christian Bale's character possibly tied the wrong knot on a on a kind of a on a in a in a dunk tank type thing, uh, and it goes from there. And it's this two kind of 
almost trying to almost kill one another like realistically that is kind of almost going to the death to be the better magician which is how the kind of we get to where we get to in the end of the film is these two people you know fighting back and forth to best one another or like the best way to i think to put the film is it's like it's a story of obsession you know? well, yeah, of course. I think what you just said is quite, is quite right. Like almost kill them, but yeah. like not quite because that yeah. would be too easy. Exactly. And it was so interesting for me to watch this film. I, I watched it yesterday actually again. And having seen Beef yeah, uh, just now, like the Netflix show, it gave me such, like it was such a cool parallel because mm. both uh, leads, you know, Ali Wong and Steven Yeun and then here you have Bale and... Jackman solely live like their only purpose is to get back at someone yeah. like they're they, they have beef like that mm. they have beef and they literally go out of their lives and they fuck up their own lives in an effort to outdo each other yeah. because you're right they're obsessed well that's it and so and that's and so when we get to that final <clears throat> there's there's kind of two final scenes right so there's the there's the final scene between our two kind of main characters which is Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman in the basement of an old theater where it's revealed that Hugh Jackman's character has had this machine built by Nikola Tesla that basically clones another version of himself, and the or a own, copy, maybe or a, a copy, copy yeah. yeah, copies him, makes it like makes an exact copy of him, and to perform his um his disappearing man trick, and what it turns out is that it transpires that when he goes into the machine, he doesn't know if he's going to be the person that is the copy or if he's going to be the original. And the problem is the person that steps into the machine drops through the floor into a tank of water and is killed. And we're left in this room of hundreds of tanks all filled with bodies of Hugh Jackman. And it's about, you know, they have this conversation after Christian Bale's character has shot him because Christian Bale's duplicate or twin or however you want to see it is dead. Mm-hmm. He's been hanged in mm-hmm. prison for the murder of Hugh Jackman's character originally because they, they find that. And it's about, you know, Christian Bale's character always talks in the through but getting your hands dirty. And eventually he starts saying to him, he was like, you know, after after he barely's fallen alive, he says, oh, you finally decided to get your hands dirty. And that's the, you know, it's kind of an interesting one because you have to, you kind of have to judge both of them equally. You can't really be happy in the way that it ends. Obviously, we get to an ending where Michael Caine's character realizes all the awful things now, like the constant, like, killing of these copies that Hugh Jackman has done every night and sides with... Borden mm-hmm. um, with with Alfred Borden Christian Bale's character but he's still done wrong you know at the end of the day we say it's it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to like Bale's character in a way yeah I mean it's a very typical it's a very typical Bale performance like playing yeah. the unlikable character like this guy will never <laughs> will never play a likable character in his life well and then you have Jackman who I feel like he's very charming especially in the first yeah. half of the film oh, yeah I would say it's probably his best performance to date. I'm shocked. He's like even the it. double like performance, he's just incredible there. Which yeah. made the double, the first double, actual the drunk double, yeah, drunk double, yeah, yeah. incredible. Um, so it's very hard to like like Bale in the beginning. But you know what? I'd almost I'd almost counter that. I think what Bale does really well is that you don't like one of the characters and you feel this immense, especially when you know what happens at the end, you feel this real guilt for the other one. The one who loved Sarah and whose daughter is Jess. You know, those those scenes where, like, like what it does really well, a film that's about magicians, there's some really heartbreaking scenes in it. And the, fil- the, the scene where Sarah has the kind of... Um, he, he picks up the baby and he says, oh, I love you. And she says, oh, you mean it today? Mm-hmm. 
and the first time seeing the film you don't know what that means mm-hmm. why is it what do you mean she mean it today and then you get this realization at the end that he's he his his devotion and his obsession to the secrecy and to the magic means that it he doesn't mean it every day because every second day it's someone else yes and yeah. and and you like that 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 guilt he feels for what happened to Sarah and what could happen to Jess and stuff is Would- I mean, he was responsible for it, though. Yeah, solely. yeah, like, of course. Because he yeah. was in on the joke. I think the 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 reason I like Jackman's uh, character a lot more in the first half is because he probably has a more justified reason for hating Bale because of his wife, as yeah. in like, his wife. Oh, yeah. Died. And then it's, like, a, it's a brilliant kind of it's a brilliant change. Yes, and, and then I found myself starting to dislike. Jackman when I realized that he's a well, he's a mediocre magician and he steals. And I've ri- I've written the line mm-hmm. where you go from liking him to not liking him. And it's when after um Scarlett Johansson steals his diary and he talk he get he's getting really angry with her and talking about, you know, well the diary means nothing if we don't have the keyword, I can't translate it. It could could take years. And she says to him uh, something like whatever you find in that diary it's not going to bring your wife back and he mm. says I don't care about my wife I care about his secret and that's it yep. that's the moment yep. you're like okay he, he, that's where he he's, flipped. he's flipped. He flipped he's completely turned he's he's. it's hard to say there's a villain in the film but both of them he, they, they, but he, he, he's, he's, he's made that turn now completely mm-hmm. because it's not about that anymore like, like as you say it's really justified in that first half of the film but now that that is like faded. He's he's been kind of blinded by his obsession with being better, and and having to know like like almost like this scientific like thirst for knowledge, needing to know what it is and what the trick is. Anything I've seen things, makeup, glasses, wigs. We don't use any of it for the show, but I've seen it hidden backstage. It's misdirection. He leaves those things lying around to make you think he's using a double all the time. He doesn't know when I'm looking. All the time, Olivia. That's who he is. That's what it takes. He lives, he's acts, don't you see? This is his diary, Olivia. All of his secrets are right here in my hands. It won't bring your wife back. I don't care about my wife, I care about his secret. It's really cool to see Nolan exploring obsession here again because Mm. it is a recurring theme for him. Like we saw it with Memento, where the character is so obsessed with finding his uh, killer, like his wife's killer, that he tattoos, you know, uh, clues about his identity all over his body. Then you have Inception, where like DiCaprio, again, is obsessed with his dead wife. And even like the people involved are obsessed with stealing information from people's dreams. And then I was thinking maybe that's the dark side of obsession, which um, Nolan is very much into, because I feel like Obsessed and with, you could say. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe that's his most autobiographical film, in a sense. That's because exactly he, what I thought watching Because it. he can relate to the dark nature of being obsessed with the art. Yeah. Of well, creating even, something new and original. Yeah. So even 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 Hugh Jackman's final monologue in the film, where... Oh, I want to talk where, about, yeah. yeah. Where, so what, so that's, watching that... That was where I went. This this isn't just this is like the, the, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing veil and a va- mm-hmm. an amazing way to tell a story about like and maybe this is also over analyzing but like filmmaking in general. Like yes. he talks about how you know oh the audience already knows the audience knows that the world is you know the world is is it is what it is and you know but it's about tricking them for that one second and and, and making them believe that it mm-hmm. might not be the case and. That's what that's what going to the cinema is. Mm-hmm. You know? I wanted to get your take on that because I have a quote in front of me 
where he says, um, but if you could fool them even for a second, then you can make them wonder. And then you got to see something really special. You really don't know. It was the look on their faces. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to get your thoughts on. Like, how do you interpret that? Like, because on the one hand, you can think, oh, is this all literally about um, getting external validation from an audience for mere seconds? Or is it deeper than that, that these people, you could like the magicians here are obsessed with the idea of... Um, like the, the art of magic, mm. but then someone like Nolan is obsessed with the art of filmmaking, where the ultimate trick is to fool your audience. I mean, Nolan has said multiple times that filmmaking for him is all about creating puzzles that the audience gets to solve. Mm. So is it really all about like seeing in their faces the idea of um, the bigger than reality look, as in get them to dream for a yeah. second? And think of the possibility that magic is actually real. I thought of that. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. Mm. And but I also think it can be both. You know? Yeah, maybe. <clears throat> as someone who's, as someone who's like acted in the past and done like amdram, mm. there's also <laughs> there definitely is an element of being on stage in that moment of applause and stuff like that. There's definitely that validation is there. So actually, I think it can be both. I think on a on like a on a deeper filmmaking level, it 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 speaks directly to that of mm. of you know. And also just what filmmaking does is that, you know, like it, going to the movies and stuff is like an escape from reality and going to, you know, be, you know, cinemas always talk about being immersed in the experience. You know, it's why we do 3D and we do surround sound and stuff like that to really immerse you in it. And it feels like, yeah, it's Christian Bale talking or it's Hugh Jackman talking to the yeah. camera. It might as well be Nolan's kind of saying it directly down the lens. You went off way around the world. You spent a fortune. You had terrible things. Really terrible things, Robert. And all for nothing. For nothing. Yeah. You never understood why we did this. knows the truth. The world is simple. Miserable. So, solid all the way through. But if you can fool them, even for a second, then you can make them wonder. And then you... Then you got to see something. It was the look on their faces. <laughs> the, I, w- I would be interested to see what like Nolan's uh, look in their faces actually means. Like, is it because yeah. he's not like a magician, so he doesn't literally get to see our reaction while we watch a film of his. So is it a case of like getting positive reviews? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. maybe yeah. Simple as that. Maybe. And, yeah. and just kind of the influence that he has on, on kind of filmmaking and mm-hmm. and the industri- industry in general. Reception. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, we all remember kind of the whole tenant releasing in, in COVID and and, yeah. and the and the perception of that. You know, it's it definitely feels like a yeah. He's trying to make things bigger than bigger than himself, and mm-hmm. um, that's why that's why I think maybe one of the reasons that in hindsight, having seen more of his films, is why I think the Prestige is his is his cleanest kind of storytelling element. Obviously, listen, you know, like you can't get past the Dark Knight in you know review wise and stuff like that like critical acclaim probably being his best film but for me it's the one that like the prestige is the one that if i want to go back to a nolan film i'd be like that's the one i'll go back to i always think of it as um and i and i had this with guardians of the galaxy the other day is like how i know that a film for me is like five well not five necessarily five stars but like really amazing is that when i see it i go i can't wait to buy the dvd because that's such an old thing ingrained in me of like Mm -hmm. if I really liked a movie I'd go and buy the DVD and I still do I still go like if I really like a film I'll buy the Blu-ray I -hmm. still do and I saw Guardians and I thought I'll buy the I really want to buy Mm -hmm. that on DVD and I remember owning the Prestige I own the Prestige on DVD and even watching it again now makes me be like I'm just going to go out and buy the Blu-ray or I'm going to buy like the limited edition because you know for me having the physical copies of it I really enjoy and I don't necessarily feel that about stuff like Interstellar or Tennis you know Tenet was bought for me. I do own a copy, but I didn't buy it. Um, but yeah, I think it's, yeah, autobiographical is a really good way of putting it. It yeah. seems, it feels like him kind of telling, using this kind of really, obviously not all of it is autobiographical, I don't believe he's as tortured as these two men are, but especially that ending and, and, and Hugh Jackman's kind of dying realisation of, you know, that's what it's all about, you know. And is that, I wonder, you know, is that a win? Is is death a win for Jackman in the end? You know, like, is, is it, is, when you think about it, after all his obsession, after everything that's happened to him, is death that release that is almost, like, how does that, if if you were to look at that and, and, and if there isn't a, if Fallon isn't, you know, if it turns out Fallon isn't his twin and blah, 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 and Christian Bale's character is dead, what, what what does a future look like for Lord Coldlow's character? That's the thing. You know? He's never dead at this point. Because no. So you mentioned two final scenes. So the first final scene is uh, Bale, like Alfred, however like his name is. Yeah, killing, uh, killing Hugh Jackman's character. Hugh Jackman's character. He <coughs> has that monologue. And then we cut to like a short sequence of scenes where you have the Michael Caine monologue begin. Yeah. I have it right here. Well, I think it's, it'd be good to play it. It's the monologue from the start of the film, isn't it? Yes, it's, a, it's yeah, it's almost like a 360. Yeah. Now you're looking for the secret. But you won't find it because of course you're not really looking. You don't really want to work it out. You want to be and then the actual very, very final shot of the film is we see a copy of Hugh Jackman's character stored in a tank. Yeah. And that's when the movie cuts to black. Yeah. So what what do you make of that final shot? Like, why did Nolan end the film there? I don't know. I because mean, I mean, guess... it's very disturbing. Like, yeah. Like, it's a very disturbing shot. Yeah. Because you're not being filled then because you know the secret. You know, Like, you know, like... And it is that thing of maybe you don't want to know, like how the sausage gets made, as they say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's uh, it's better leaving some things to the imagination rather than kind of digging deep. And may, may, maybe that's maybe that's Nolan taking a dig at stuff like reviews, people who dig deep and read too much into these films. That you know, movies like Magic maybe are there to just be enjoyed. You want to be lured into a sense of security, but you can read into them. 
Um, it's an interesting, and it is, yeah, as you say, it's quite a disturbing. It's way a more to end pessimistic final shot than you would expect from Nolan. Like it doesn't usually yeah. end his films like that. So maybe that's his commentary on the whole like obsession thing. As in, here's what happens. Yeah. Like if you're not, and it goes back to what Tesla said that you know I give you one like extra instruction, just fucking delete the whole, like yeah. fucking like you know destroy the whole thing. So it's more like uh, it doesn't end here because there are clearly more copies of him out there. Perhaps I don't know. No, like, I don't think so. I think that's I think that's the end. Uh, that's the end. I think, end, I think end. that's the whole okay. point of seeing it. Yeah, I think that's the end. He's the last mm. one. <clears throat> kind of t- it, it, it cuts off that circle now. Oh, that's good. I think. Huh. I think it's yeah. un, un, unlike what Nolan has done in the past where he leaves things hanging on. I think it leaves that in a very definite ending. Right. That yeah. that's done. You know? Yeah. So that's his way of being there is a way out of this in a way. Like you mm. you can, you know, stop stop this thing from replicating. Yeah. Like obsession. That well, that's it. And I mean, by burning that place to the ground, he destroys right. the machine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no one will use that again. And that's Michael Caine's thing towards the end is that, like, you know, he, he wants to buy it. He wants to destroy it because, mm-hmm. you know, as he keeps being like, but it's not, ma- this machine's not magic. This machine, like, it does what, it does what it's trying, to, it does what it says it's going to do almost. It's such yeah. a terrifying machine. Honestly. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And like, it, you see that, you see that through the kind of, uh, like, the fears that everybody has about Tesla in, in America and all the, mm-hmm. you know, the bad publicity from Thomas Edison and stuff like that, which is an interesting backdrop to the film using yeah. like Nikola Tesla and stuff. Yeah. It's an interesting, it's an interesting way to do it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a terrifying idea. And, uh, and, you know, you, you have that great ending. From, Michael Caine says, and he tells the story in the beginning of the film, like uh, you know, I met an old sailor once, and I, who who almost drowned, and 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 he told me that it was like going home, and this is almost something that. Uh, and then he you know, said, "Hugh, he Jack, lied. Hugh Jackman, yeah. yeah, Hugh Jackman almost like hangs on that, mm-hmm. and then when he says to him, he's like, no, I didn't know he lied. He said it was agony.' That was such a after, good line. After after Hugh Jackman has drowned all these multiple versions yeah. of himself, you know, such it's, a good it's, line. It's a it's like it's it's a. It's a parting shot from from Kane almost to him to be like this is too much this is done this has to end. You know? I, I have to say like if, to me this is the best screenplay from the Nolan brothers like it, like yeah, too many it's the most concise too many quotable lines as well like dialogue oh, is yeah. in, incredible like other films I found that dialogue is just okay mm. but with this one it's just yeah top notch for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the last thing I wanted to get your take on is around the idea of a plot twist and okay. a plot turn. Because we had a listener of ours named Casey, hello, Ristau, asking us to talk about the difference of the episode. So before I read this argument, his argument, I did some research to separate the two. Mm. So the terms plot twist and plot turn are often used interchangeably, but there is a subtle difference. A plot twist is a sudden, unexpected event that changes the course of the story and how you understand the story. Mm -hmm. A plot turn, on the other hand, is a significant change in the direction of the story, but it's not necessarily unexpected. Okay. So Casey argues that The Prestige doesn't actually have a twist ending. It doesn't make you reevaluate the nature of the story, which is the case about obsession and competition. The ending is really more of a turn or a reveal when something we weren't aware of is revealed. Yeah. I do agree with that. As in, like, if you were actually looking, it's not the twist. Like, I think of a twist literally, you know, when you're driving, you make a turn. Yeah. So it's like, it changes, like, the story, but it's not like you reevaluate the entire. Like, yeah, I what agree. You just a, a reveal is the right word. Yeah. 
exactly or like a prestige as the film will put it you know yes. that kind of that that ending where yeah where where it brings it all back and it's it's yeah for this film in particular it doesn't i don't think it doesn't twist because yeah as you say it doesn't make you reevaluate the whole film it, it, it feels like it's building towards mm-hmm. that the entire way and i would argue that you know compared to films like the sixth sense for example the quote-unquote twist is very much like in the like it's it's in front of us like the yeah. first thing that cutter like michael kane's character says is that, oh yeah it's clearly a double like yeah, like, it's, yeah. it's right there we just don't want to see it because we want to be fooled yeah, right but exactly technically it's right there but then before we started recording like you mentioned gone girl which is a yeah. really good example of you mentioned it could be a turn yeah not i think a that's twist. A, i think that's a turn because it completely reframes the entire film and the film to can, me that's a twist right yeah because, but then the film keeps going though Right. Because I think it's, I think a twist comes towards the end and then makes you reevaluate something like Gone Girl. There is a twist, but then there's you've still got an hour and ten minutes left in that movie to actually reframe the entire film. Like it, it completely plot the plot turns in an entirely different direction. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like in my head, like a twist would be because we were up until that point we were seeing whatever the character of like uh, what's your name for Go the, of oh, Gone Girl. Remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, you thought she was innocent yeah. up until that point. And then the moment the twist happens, you're like, oh shit, she's in on it. Like, yeah. she's the one that orchestrated this whole thing. As in, everything that you just saw, it's cancelled, in mm. a way. So that's what happened in my yeah. head. But I guess you can make an argument for both. I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we saw the I think so. That ending. was fun. I'm <laughs> glad. I mean, it's a shame Simon wasn't here. So, I Simon, know. we will get you to watch this film, and we will. Oh, he hasn't seen it. No, I, think I don't he... think so. Oh, maybe he, he has. Not... Maybe he has watched it. Yeah. I think he did, and he liked it. Okay, th- yeah, good. Okay, thank but the Lord. he needs to listen to the episode. That's yes, what he needs to do. That is for sure. Okay, uh, Ben, thank you for joining me today. No worries. If you've listened this far, you know what to do. Give us a five star review wherever you're listening. If you haven't yet, and most importantly, share the episode with your Nolan obsessed friends. We'll be back in two weeks, hopefully with Simon, to break down the grand finale of Succession. And probably roast whoever takes the crown. Unless it's Tom, then I'm good. Like, I, we, I, I, I don't <laughs> want to roast. not Greg. <laughs> not Greg. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Abracatabra, see you in two weeks. Did you like it? Did you like that? Did I like it? I loved it. I, I had no idea you could milk a cat. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.